Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, Alan. Uh, we had a little bit of an echo, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself again, maybe, perhaps. I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. That's all my fault. I'm playing around with stuff, and so I feel like everything just uh, exploded. But hey, it'll be just fine. This is Wrong Think Radio. It's our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's going on in media, and uh, what you need to try to believe because of all the propaganda. And my God, there's just so much. It's so much, so much propaganda. Um, weird theme this week. Right? Yeah. Like, like a lot of weird stuff going on. And so let me kind of get to the primaries of it, which is uh, the left really seems to prey on kids. I don't know a better way to say it, right? Like, not even, not even from the conspiratorial standpoint. It's just the left is creepy when it comes to children. Um, yeah. I'll kind of start with the top story on that, which is... Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story, and then I'm going to tell you how it's not the same story that we did last week. So, that story being that there was a CNN producer who has been outed as a pedophile. I know this sounds a lot like what we talked about last week, but it's not the same story. I say again, it's not the same story. This is so, a completely different producer. So two, you're telling me two producers, which I imagine are relatively high-profile positions that require you to probably spend a couple years in an organization, or at least in a position of trust and responsibility. At CNN, both are pedophiles? That's a odd coincidence. Well, we in the intelligence community call that a pattern. Um <laughs> Now, <clears throat> that's the uh, weird part. Um, just without even diving into all of the information involved, strictly off the top of my head and in my memory, let me recall the several instances of sexual predators that seem to exist at CNN. You have Jeffrey Tubin, who still has a job at CNN after exposing himself on a Zoom call when he decided Gross. that he was going to flog the Molly. Um, Ew. Then, uh, after that occurred, they said, well, no, we're, we're going to let you keep your job because that's not weird. Then you had uh, Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, who is a host on CNN, brother of Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York who stepped down in lieu of being impeached over accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment, also got fired from CNN because of accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Now you have two producers who have been one who has been indicted for 
pedophilia for attempting to or not attempting for successfully getting a mother and her young daughter to come to his house or cabin or whatever in Vermont for quote sexual training and this new uh this new case where project veritas was able to get a hold of text messages from a cnn producer where he was talking about uh basically molesting a minor who was the daughter of the woman he had a relationship with for the last 10 years and uh how according to the project veritas uh investigation he was also attempting to solicit nude photos of the minor you at a certain point we have to ask whether or not this is a cultural phenomenon you know what i don't see hmm don't really see a lot of people in any on the political right really being as connected with pedophilia as people on the left it seems like it is solely a left-wing phenomenon like i'm sure i'm sure there are examples but let me cover that one that i can think of off the top of my head is someone that would be come from the political left let me let me cover that in a second. Real quick, I, I do want to hit the Project Veritas story itself so people get those facts. But there yeah. there is something interesting that you're you're going to point out there. Um, so this this was published on uh, December seventeenth from Project Veritas, and it goes: uh, There have been many requests from other journalists and media outlets to name the subject in Wednesday's tragic story involving a CNN producer. After ensuring the family involved is safe, Project Veritas has made the decision to release the name Rick Salibi. Salibi is a producer on The Lead with Jake Tapper. Project Veritas reached out to CNN multiple times for comment, but as of this writing, they are yet to respond. The mother of the children involved in this story sent Project Veritas the following heartfelt note. We have redacted some parts to further protect their identity and request everyone give them privacy privacy during this difficult time. Quote, I wanted to reach out and sincerely thank you again. I am grateful towards you guys and everything you've done for me and my children. Our world has been completely flipped upside down, but none of that matters. We are all safe. I'm hoping, praying, and pushing for changes to be brought or charges to be brought against him so he can never do this to another child or family again. I want the public and any predators to know without a shadow of a doubt that I will go to the absolute ends of the earth to protect my babies. And I am tremendously grateful that you guys have saved us all from him. Despite the hardships ahead, I'm going to continue to sit with these feelings of gratitude towards you guys and the, and the woman who provided you with the information. Gratitude will get us through to the other side of all of this. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and Merry Christmas. So this was an entire crazy story. And let me see if I can quickly pull up the uh, the original uh, story that they posted on Wednesday. Because that, that was like the big break was them actually naming it. And remember the... Uh, Last story was a producer who was indicted uh, for child molestation and I believe likely rape uh, because it would have been uh, 
just depending on the whole case. That was a producer for uh, Chris Cuomo. So this is a producer for Jake Tapper. The other one was a producer for Chris Cuomo. So these are the top talents at CNN, both of whom have producers uh, that have had strange connections to pedophilia. And this is the original story. Uh, which was posted on December 15th by Project Veritas. And it's source-provided video and text texts show... Per, source-provided video and texts show CNN producer fantasizing about sex acts with fiancé's young daughter. These videos and texts show a primetime producer at CNN fantasizing about sex acts with a child in graphic detail. The source, who obtained evidence for authorities, came to Project Veritas after she was certain proper action... Uh, after she was uncertain, I'm sorry, proper action would be taken. The producer in question also solicited sexually explicit photos of the source's underage daughter. The source told Project Veritas she felt disgusted and was compelled to come forward because these people with power seemed to get away with it. Project Veritas has reached out to CNN for comment, and at this time, we're awaiting a response. So it says, in one text exchange, the producer tells the source. That's weird, right? So so just real quick, the, the, the mother who responded to Project Veritas said, we're grateful to the woman who shared this information. So understand, the source of this is a woman, which means that this producer, unless I'm, unless I'm crazy, this producer was talking to another woman. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. In one text exchange, the producer tells the source, which we're to believe is a woman, right? How the fiance's daughter, quote, was wearing very closely cut bottoms at the pool before using graphic language to describe how he could see the outline of her private parts. Okay. What's incredibly disturbing about this is that he is. This is was my takeaway when you told me about this story. The other day was one. Okay, it's gross. But at the same time, why would you ever tell anyone this? <laughs> like I can. If you that's the thing, if if you had thoughts like this, why would you ever, ever tell anyone? The only way, reason why you would ever mention it to anyone, say anything is if you weren't ashamed about it. And that makes this even more weird is how did this guy how did this guy look at the situation and go, uh, like, I can understand if someone had some weird sexual predilection and it's like, you know, I'm just never going to tell anyone about this because that would be super weird and people would think I'm creepy as uh, incredibly creepy. There's probably pe- a lot of people like that. They're just like, no, I'm just not. I'm never going to talk about it. I'm never going to think about it. Sure. The fact that this guy then is like telling someone else is incredibly bizarre because it means he's not ashamed of it. He thinks it's okay. It's okay enough to tell another person. Like, ugh. That makes this so much weirder. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's certainly, <laughs> right? Um, that's certainly all of it. And, uh, it, yeah. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, I... I uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't, I don't even know. So, so, but th- that's weird, right? So why, why? So, actually, let me, let me back up because to go to your other, your other statement earlier, um, if you remember uh, a few years back, actually, it's been quite a while now, uh, there was this huge upheaval at Fox News, um, and it was because, um, what was the gentleman's name? Ailes. Can't remember his first name. Um, but the, uh, the, the guy who basically helped start Fox News, his last name was Ailes, but I can't remember his first name. Sorry. But also, um, uh, yeah, it was like Richard Ailes or something like that. And oh, yeah. It's, it's going to come to me in a second. Yeah. But then you you also had uh, other hosts um, that were gone after for sexual harassment. That was the big thing. That was the huge, oh my gosh, breaking story. We're going to get rid of um, a Fox News host, the guy who did The Spin. Um, My dad used to watch him. I don't watch a lot of Fox, just so everyone's aware. I don't watch a lot of Mm -hmm. television uh, journalism because it's... To be fair, it's, it's all it's all garbage. Uh, so I don't watch it. Um, I just do not watch televised news programs uh, because I don't want to blow my brains out, and I just I find it cringy and stupid. So forgive it's me. It's so bad for not having I, everything at the top of it. Well, the other day, as a quick aside, mm-hmm. I I was unfortunately watched the news, like actual CNN. <laughs> And I just kept, it's flabber, it's, it's insane. It is wild to watch it knowing what I know. Cause I just sat there pointing at the screen going, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's intentionally being mis- misrepresented. That's intentionally being misrepresented. That's designed to scare people. You, like, once you notice it, you can't watch any of the corporate news without going, that's propaganda. That's a lie. That's intentionally designed to make people think this. That's a misrepresentation of the facts designed to manipulate people. It's every single – it's like every time a, an anchor or a new personality opens their mouth on any of these shows, it, I know it's, it is a meme. It is a – to say all they do is lie, but all they do is lie. It's mm-hmm. it's wild. It's like I don't watch CNN regularly, but so that when I do, I go, okay, it can't be as bad as I think. And then you see it and you're like, oh, it's worse. It's so much worse. It's amazing that I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to imagine if that anybody actually believes what they see on these shows because it's presented in such a seemingly obviously manipulative way. Yeah, the yeah. So it was. Uh, it's Roger Ailes, by the way. Uh, Roger right. Ailes and yeah. Bill O'Reilly. There was this huge upheaval at Fox News because, oh, Bill O'Reilly, he sexually harassed people. And Roger Ailes, he sexually harassed people. Now, that doesn't Mm, necessarily make it okay, but I remember all of these liberals just, oh, my gosh, look at how all this. They don't respect women. Well, obviously, Mm. obviously, liberals have hated Fox News for a very long time. And that's mostly because they've been number one in the news rankings for a very long time. With that being said, obviously they, you know, uh, perhaps, perhaps it was um, true or perhaps much like what we saw with Brett Kavanaugh. It was a coordinated effort by the left where they paid people to make accusations specifically for the intent of getting a bunch of people fired and trying to 
uh, slander their names. That's vastly different than people actually legitimately getting arrested for pedophilia, which is what happened Mm -hmm. to one CNN producer and is likely, or at least somewhat possible, it will happen to another one, especially if he was attempting to solicit uh, nude photos from an underage girl. And with with all of that, that suggests a culture. You have a man who is openly talking about this with someone at work. That's a very different thing than it just being, oh, there was a pedo on staff. Not just was there a pedo yeah. on staff. There were two pedophiles on staff, both of which were in senior positions being producers of top shows. But also you have one that's so comfortable with it. That he was telling another person, I'm assuming this source was at CNN. Yeah. But telling someone about it. There was no shame in this. What's weird is that you'd think at that level, you would be extremely concerned about both your image and the potential that there would be, say, that would there be ramifications for anyone thinking anything untoward about you. I can only imagine that if you're in this position, it's at least somewhat political as far as inter-organizational politics go. It just is a, It's amazing you would be this cavalier with it, but it seems the only way you would be is if you knew the culture inside CNN would actively protect you and prevent you from prevent there from being any negative ramifications. Yeah. The question is, who else at CNN is also a pedophile? That allows them to act this cavalier. Like, oh, is there, is there, was their boss pedophile? Like, whoever's in charge of all these shows that they reported to, also like, oh, don't worry, they're part of the club. It's fine. I don't know. It's bizarre. What's even more weird is all of this is coming out about CNN, and so what is CNN doing? They're going absolutely insane about Fox news. Like to the point they kind of normally do this, but they've like gone into overdrive where every major host like Brian Stelter, Jake Tapper, who the hell ever is either attacking Trump or attacking Fox, like almost to the point where the only point of existence for CNN is to bitch about Fox News, which is a very strange position to be in uh, because it just kind of looks like you're envious since they're constantly beating you in the ratings. But what's more insane is you have all of these charges that are happening. You know, you, you just fired one of your top hosts because of sexual assault and sexual harassment. You have another guy that's on your payroll um, that exposed himself on a Zoom call and was fired from every other media outlet but yours. You have two producers who have now been directly connected to pedophilia. And what happens a day ago? Um, You have Acosta taking a picture and posting it on Twitter 
of him celebrating being able to gather together with his uh, CNN colleagues in Atlanta in person, finally. And he's holding up a tree of the Fox. uh, Sorry, sorry. A picture of the Fox News Christmas tree with a photo of their hosts on it, which was just burned down by an arsonist. Yeah, which like, I feel like uh, there, uh, not enough was made of that episode. Fox yeah. News put up a big Christmas tree as their big Christmas season thing, and then an arsonist publicly burned the thing to the ground. Yeah. That, and... is a, that seems like, I know it's, it gets tiring to constantly say if the left, if this happened to the left, if the like MSNBC you know, Christmas tree that they put out in New York City, oh, hey, look at our big Christmas tree. If that got burned down by some Trump supporter, it would be considered domestic terrorism. Oh, no. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And I'm I'm tired of having to worry about what might seem annoying, but I understand what you mean. Uh, It's it's insane to me because like so this happened. uh, Man, it was it was earlier. It was earlier this month. Um, so if, if I'm not mistaken, it was like on the seventh or something, but the left has been basically going insane over it. Like, Oh my God, Fox news is just sitting there whining about their Christmas tree. And then their other responses, they said it cost something like $500 million or some insane amount. I mean, it was very expensive apparently. Um, but that's the other thing. The left is, oh my God, they spent so much money on their Christmas tree. And it's like, dude, like cut the bullshit. If you had your Christmas tree burned down, it would be CNN or MSNBC panels breathlessly talking about how it was a threat to democracy, how it was domestic terrorism. And they would be sitting there goddamn near trying to get Joe Biden to give them all a like congressional medal of honor because they defend free speech without us. Democracy wouldn't exist. You would absolutely hear that. Yeah. I mean, which is the silent, the silence on these things is, is rather deafening and it is, it, rather insulting that they think that they can get away with it. But there is a good quote, which is they they know they're lying, we know they're lying, and they know that we know they're lying, and they still lie anyway. Right. It it is it it's just simply incredible to yeah. see these it, it's just it is exhausting. It's absolutely just abhorrent that people pretend otherwise i'm so tired of having the debate anymore with anyone that these liberal networks like cnn and msnbc are anything other than the propaganda arms of the democrat party it's just it's not debatable it is 100 percent not debatable that is exactly what they are. It, we do not have a free press. They are not the free press. They're owned by corporations. They are influenced by foreign governments. And they are 100% the apparatchiks of the Democrat Party. And so I am so exhausted pretending like 
we have a like, pretending like these 24 hour news networks are a free press. I will even give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt to some liberals who go, well, Fox News just does what the what the Republicans say. OK, sure. Yeah. I don't. OK. So the Republican Party has a propaganda outlet of one, maybe a few if you want to count like Newsmax. And you have CNN and MSNBC. So at like the worst case scenario, the political parties have 24-hour news programs. But you can't be upset that Fox News is the GOP's channel, but not be, if you're upset by that, then be also upset about CNN and MSNBC. But you're not. Yeah. No, because it never it's never about that. It's right. always about... You should win and I should I should win and you should lose. And everything else is just sort of a manipulation couch to try and keep you from fighting back. Well, and it, it, it goes further. This is true, but it goes further than that because because there's been like this mind virus that has basically made liberalism synonymous. And this is I actually think that this is extremely dangerous that liberalism has become synonymous with democracy. And the reason yeah. why I say that that's dangerous and everyone should acknowledge it as dangerous. If you truly believe that democracy is the right path to go and that democracy is the purest form of governance um, in a country, then I would very highly recommend that you get these people to stop making Liberalism, progressivism, synonymous with democracy, because you are going to get a backlash from people that decide democracy is not the way to go. Yeah. Because because of them making those things synonymous, it means, which is going to get into other stories that we will be covering it means that everything the progressive agenda pushes equals democracy. That means taking your guns away is democracy. It means that climate change stuff is democracy. It means that the transgender things that are going on at schools or the imprisonment of protesters that were on the wrong side of the political aisle or the... You know, fact that what is another story that we'll cover a little bit later, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, those are synonymous with democracy, which is going to create a nation of people that go, I guess I don't support democracy. Yeah. And that if if that's if democracy is the. Globo homo degeneracy destruction of nations and culture, then I don't want democracy. If democracy is turning over, abandoning all concepts of sovereignty to be controlled by some shadowy global government, then democracy no longer serves us. If it, if that's what democracy is and if that's what it brings, then democracy is useless and needs to be abandoned. Well, it, it's funny because uh, there was a... Uh... There, there was a tweet that I found uh, from what's always a great time, the Libertarian Party of Texas, um, 
which I'm going to say is actually the only true libertarian uh, Twitter account. Uh, because Maybe. it's basically super liberal. <laughs> um, <coughs> point is, though, um, they put out a tweet. And uh, their tweet is, you can't support the free market and be anti-immigration. Bold yeah. words. Because a the response that I would give to something like that is, if it's a binary choice between national sovereignty... Or allowing global corporations to artificially suppress wages through the importation of poverty, then don't be upset if I choose national sovereignty. Yeah. And that's the thing. It It's not that simple, but they want to make everything a binary choice, a black and white choice. And so if it is a binary choice, I would rather issue the, and I'm going to put big quotes around this, the free market of which we do not have in the United States. So I'm not sure what I'm defending because it doesn't exist. Right. But if, so let me, let me, let me rephrase this or not rephrase it, but, but let me position this. If what you're saying is the things that exist in the United States, and you call that a free market, the way that things are done in the United States is called a free market. If my choice is between that and immigration and an unfettered open borders immigration, then I guess I am against it. Because the things that are happening in the United States, if that is truly the free market, I am not for it. Yeah. If democracy and the free market is what brought us to this point, then of what use is democracy and the free market? <laughs> right. If, if democracy and the free market gets us to a point where we essentially have elections that are no longer valid and a one-party state that is ruled by a corporate media that is manipulating people to see the world incorrectly, funded by giant corporations, while we're all being ethnically displaced by foreigners, well... Of what use was democracy and all of these other things? Clearly, right. that clearly that game played to its logical conclusion ends poorly for the people of the country. So no, exactly, I mean, what's the what's the answer there? Like to to all the small government free market libertarians, like, well, at what point does the, at what point do we look at the american system and go something about this is broken because it ended up this way no and and that's that's exactly it is and to to the point of you know like we we have to get into um actual true definitions of things so like don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, because there are going to be some people that are going to get super like butthurt and upset over this. The concept of what I define as a free market, I am very supportive of. What I am saying here is the United States doesn't actually have a free market. And so the things that the elites and the government and what have you define as a free market, I don't support. And, and that's that's yeah. overall the point that I am trying to make. Now, what I am going to pull up for that purpose, if I can find it, 
is a quote from Nancy Pelosi where she explains what the free market means to her. And that makes things very interesting Uh, Mm -hmm. because in that, uh, you know, under that guise, I certainly don't support it. But let's let's take a look here and let me play really quick a quote from our beloved Speaker of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, on what she says is the free market. And this is the, the kind of thing that you have to support if you're a big fan of the free market. Here we go. No, I don't know to the second one. Um, any, uh, we have a responsibility to report in the stock on the stock but I don't I'm not familiar with that five month review but if the people aren't reporting they should be because this is a free market and people we are a free market economy they should be able to participate in that yeah so it's a free market economy so it is 100% acceptable for uh, congress members to insider trade Yeah. Yeah, that's what she said. Uh, the, the story, I know it's a little difficult to hear, but it says, should members of Congress and their spouses be banned from trading individual stocks while serving in Congress? The answer, no, we are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. Understand for yeah. a second. Well, for, first of all, uh, one very big notable thing is Nancy Pelosi has made an insane amount of money on the stock market. Yeah. Insane. Like, like it's statistically impossible. If anyone, if anyone made the kind of money, if any regular citizen made the kind of money in the stock market that Nancy Pelosi has made, they would be investigated by the securities and exchange commission for insider trading. Yeah. Because these are the people who set laws. They set laws that affect the market, and therefore, as we saw, there were a whole bunch of stocks that were dumped right before the market crashed. There were a whole bunch of stocks that were bought right before a vaccine mandates. These people are making money hand over fist because they know exactly what's going to happen in the market because they have direct effect to it. But according to Nancy Pelosi, that is the free market. So if the free market is corruption, I don't support it. Yeah. Clearly, there has to be some change to how we run things in this country because it allows people like Nancy Pelosi and all these other politicians to manipulate the market and make millions of dollars dishonestly on how they run our country. Well, you know, one thing, and maybe I'm the only person who really cares about this but it's fascinating to me that just a few years back it was always like the the bernie sanders 
like attack was we have to tax the millionaires, right? The whole Occupy Wall right. Street was the millionaires are bad. And then Bernie right. Sanders became a millionaire and it just became yep. billionaires bad. And like right. n- nobody noticed that. Nobody noticed that it's like, oh, now that he's a millionaire, billionaires are bad. Well, people might have people might have noticed, but the media was co- the media was covering for it all. That's why this was allowed to happen is if people didn't notice, it was because the media was intentionally lying. The media aligned with the millionaires and billionaires to twist people's perceptions away from viewing them as the as the enemy. There is a there is a noted synchronicity between the end of Occupy Wall Street and the rise of the corporate media, academia, etc., becoming so focused on racism. Mm-hmm. And it is it's it correlates. It's the Occupy Wall Street movement scared a lot of the left wing because the vast majority of media of millionaires and billionaires even if they're not personally left-wing, they're going to support things that the left wants because it's how they make their millions and billions. They got scared by Occupy Wall Street, and then they started paying the media to gin up concerns about racism so that they could transfer, they could redirect all of that Occupy Wall Street energy somewhere that wouldn't be a threat to them. That's basically what happened. That's why everything got crazy about race and gender and all these other things is because millionaires and billionaires that run all these giant corporations that run these major banking institutions like BlackRock started funding big media and academia pushes to focus all concerns on race, on gender, on these kind of nonsense left wing things. And make those so super duper important because it would take all of the energy away from criticizing them and focus all of it on criticizing their opponents. All right. of these left wing activists that were opposing the big banks that would have that would be at risk of supporting nationalist policies that promote national sovereignty and liberty. Those people got siphoned away and put into the camp of being opposed to racism more than they were opposed to domination and control by major financial banking institutions. It was a way of neutering opposition and keeping the populace fragmented and warring with each other instead of recognizing their common enemy. Right. No, I mean, a hundred percent. What, what makes things even more fascinating or, or, or sh- I guess shifting gears a little bit about the whole warring with each other and whatnot, that is basically the entire game plan. Um, this is, this is kind of my, my favorite way to present this. Uh, that's the entire game plan of COVID. That's been the yeah. entire game plan. One of the things that I've consistently been uh, completely infuriated by during this entire COVID nonsense is the fact that the responsibility for enforcement of the government's stupidity has been your friends and neighbors. There's nobody, there's no representative of the government at Walmart that during mask mandates were making you wear a mask. It was a random employee Uh, in places like New York and California there's no government official that's standing there to check your vaccine card to allow you to go and eat inside a restaurant. It is a random employee. They did that purposefully, I believe, 
because it makes you fight with your friends and neighbors and not the government. You're not seeing the oppression that's coming directly from your government. Although, the reason why I used some of these examples, that has since changed. People have gotten pretty smart in places like New York where they've all decided to basically have uh, what Allen defines as a lunch counter revolt. Yeah. Where they will go and sit in a restaurant without their vaccine cards and they are being arrested by the police. My God, John Lewis must be rolling around in his grave. Yeah. Great. I mean, that. I, I, I saw this and was thrilled at this. I thought this was a great thing. This should happen in every city. And walk in and just ask to be served. And when they say, sorry, sir, if you're not vaccinated, you have to sit outside. Go, okay, great. And then when you get food, just sit down inside. And then when some minimum wage employee walks in, sir, you have to sit outside. You're not vaccinated. Just say, no, no. Call, what are you going to do? Call the police and then just sit there, eat your meal. If they refuse to serve you, keep sitting there. And if the police come, just it's forced them to actually take to actually go through with their threats. Mm-hmm. If the police comes like, listen, you're going to have to arrest me and drag me out of here and admit that you are going to like admit to yourself that you're going to arrest and drag me out of here for being unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Force them to do that because nobody wants to do it. Get it on. Get it on camera. Push that video to social media. Everybody involved is going to feel ashamed. And that's exactly how we want them to feel. We want them to feel ashamed of actually doing the things that they support. And in fact, you could be get real dickish about it, too. If someone's like, sir, you have to eat outside. It's like, okay, what do you do? Call the cops? Oh, yeah, we're calling the cops. You people voted to defund the police. Get out of here. And then when the cops show up, you're like, yeah, hey, I, you know, I supported the police. All of these, all of these dumb liberal idiots in because you're in new york city or say seattle doing this you just point them to listen these are the people that voted to defund you they have a black lives matter sticker in the window who are you gonna who are you gonna help are you gonna help out these these jerks who clearly do not stand with law enforcement are you gonna actually drag me out of here and, and help them and just make it as uncomfortable as possible for everyone in the situation I mean, all we need to do is just throw a wrench into the gears and force them to confront the nonsense that they foster on people, because I think it would just collapse in the face of having to actually enforce these things. And I don't know, worst case scenario, you get arrested. It's like, that's great optics. Now, I'm not going to say it's preferable to get arrested, but if you intend people do it, what are they going to do? They can't kick all of you out. If someone tries to get physical, you have enough people that they're not going to do that. The cops would show up and be like, well, we have need like 10 cop cars to drag all these people out of here. Make it a giant statement. I mean, okay, so John Lewis is supposed to be some massive hero, some massive uh, uh, civil rights hero on the left. In fact, the, the Democrats at the currently... Uh, are trying to pass a voting act, which basically gives them complete and total. Uh, it gives them the ability to steal elections by, you know, uh, going out and harvesting 
uh, ballots and, you know, d- doing what Democrats do, right? Um, but they named it after him. <laughs> so, um, but he's supposed to be this big civil rights hero. And unless I'm uh, mistaken, uh, wasn't wasn't he part of the, uh, like, lunch counter revolt? Or is, was that someone else? Oh, that could be could be a lot of things. Yeah, it's, it's going to make me look like a <laughs> it's gonna make me look like a giant racist if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, um, I know I know that he was part of the uh, Freedom Riders, but I can't remember if he was part of the lunch counter revolt because uh, there was always this big talk about uh, it. Doesn't matter. The the point is okay. Let's... So all these people in the civil rights movement were all dumb idiots, and they just milked it for all they were worth. And the whole thing was a communist coup against the United States government. Screw all of them, and especially Martin Luther King. They're all <laughs> they were all Soviet agents. It was all propped up by communists. The whole thing was presented disingenuously, and it would have been better if none of it had ever happened. That's my take on on it. Well, I mean, like, how many people look at John Lewis and go, "Yeah, you definitely fought for America." He was a Democrat his whole life. He paved the way for all of the destruction of civil liberties that this country is now suffering. Same with all of these people. I have zero, zero respect for anyone involved in the civil rights movement because all of those people seemingly fell lockstep in with the globalist forces that are aimed at destroying national sovereignty. So, you know what? I'm going to just guess the entire movement was essentially a front by globalist communist groups to try and cripple the United States. And enough of them actually were on the payroll of the KGB that I get to say that. To back up a little bit, um, lunch counter revolt, freedom riders, different things. But to your point, how is the group of people that are going in and sitting down and saying, uh, I'm, I'm going to eat my food inside like a normal human being, regardless of my vaccination status. How is it different? I mean, aside from the uh, being funded by the uh, KGB, uh, how is it different from what we're supposed to celebrate as a great moment in democracy that is the lunch counter revolt? Yeah. No, I'm asking. Like that's that's a real question. It's How's not different. it different? It's not different. It isn't, right? We're supposed to celebrate the lunch counter revolt. That was supposed to be a great thing. That's true democracy. That's what makes our nation yeah. great. Was the ability for strong men to sit down at a counter facing adversity and the potential of the the wrongful laws to violate their civil liberties and drag them out like dogs. That was that is a great moment in civil liberties for the wonderful democracy that is the United States of America. So yeah. I have to ask, which is what okay, tell me. and exactly that was memed into the national consciousness as something that we is that we should all aspire to be like, oh, the great beautiful civil rights movement, which is why it's exactly the sort of thing that we should be invoking right now because it is Because people have been propagandized into thinking that it was so great, it's exactly the type of thing that we should do right now in order to capitalize on that propaganda. If they've propagandized the country into believing things that are nonsense are actually great, well, it actually would be a good move to use that to our advantage. Mm -hmm. 
Well, because what? Because the only the news, all these force, other forces couldn't criticize us doing that. Or if they did, they would have to essentially criticize their own message. It would be confusing, and that's really what the goal of our movement maybe necessarily is is being so creating such cognitive distance and confusion that it overcomes the mental programming that the last 50 years of propaganda have put into people's heads well and what's fascinating is the excuse is going to be that well blacks eating at a lunch counter wasn't a threat to public health Oh, it wasn't a threat to the global banking elite. That's what it wasn't. <laughs> the funny story is it is kind of the same thought processes because let's just be honest. COVID isn't the th- COVID isn't the threat you want it, you want to make. It just it yeah. just isn't. It it just it just isn't. Mm-hmm. But to the same point, they absolutely in these areas sold the integration of races in the United States as a societal threat, very much in the same way that people are freaking out over coronavirus. It's just very much the same. And I'm not making this argument as Democrats are the real racists. That's just dumb. And it's, it's just, it's just dumb. What I am saying is that consistently these people will trip all over themselves to just be in control. Right. In fact, here's something that's horrifying. There's a bill mm-hmm. that's going up in New York. It is A416, which is going to be voted on on January 5th, 2022 in the New York Senate are in this, uh, the New York Senate and Assembly. If passed into law, this bill would grant permissions to remove and detain cases, contacts, carriers, or anyone suspected of presenting a, quote, significant threat to public health and remove them from public life on an indefinite basis. I, that's astounding. Mm-hmm. That there's no way that's there's no way that should be allowed. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things that makes me rather frustrated because the simple fact that someone is even that someone with power is even trying to do that mm-hmm. almost makes me feel that the, the situation is politically insolvable. It's that how can we ever have a have peace and a functional country we can all trust unless the people that even suggest maneuver moves like that are banished from government and exiled out of the country. Well, as long as people that even think that that's a good idea, that would even have the temerity to suggest something like that, as long as those people are capable of holding political office, none of us can ever sleep soundly. We, none of it, nothing is safe. It's the same as like, like, let's shoehorn gun rights in the fact that so many people with political power are trying to disarm the American populace means that we can never sleep soundly and hope that, and just that we, that we always have to be on guard. And I hate that. And I feel like that should be the goal. The goal should be to make a country where every citizen doesn't feel like they have to constantly be concerned. Is this next election going to end my civil rights? 
because that's the problem is I have to worry about that every single time. It's like, is this next election going to be the one where the bad guys get enough power that they can fundamentally transform the United States and destroy civil liberties? I feel like that it, that is what I have to worry about. Because if the Democrats had the unilateral political power they want to have, what would stop them? What would stop them from doing things like, we're just going to eliminate voting. We're just going to get rid of the First Amendment. We're just like, if these people had their way, they would get rid of all of the civil liberties that we enjoy and that were people fought for. They would absolutely get rid of freedom of speech. They would get rid of the freedom freedom to, of assembly. They would get rid of religious freedom. They'd get rid of the right to bear arms. They would get rid of every single civil liberty if they had the power to do so. That makes them so dangerous that they need to be exiled from the country and separated from the rest of us because we no one can sleep soundly and safely while we know that they are out there scheming and trying to destroy the country. Well, and that's and I feel like any political movement that does not recognize that fact and essentially explicitly state we are going to take back the country in a way that these people will never, ever be able to threaten us again is is cutting it too short. To to the point, um, and it's provable, right? Freedom of assembly. A group of people on January 6th went to petition their government, which, by the way, is an aspect of democracy, whether you like it or not, um, because they felt that their election had been stolen from them because a bunch of state constitutions were changed. That's a fact. Uh, illegally, that's a fact. Without the input of the legislators, which is a requirement of state constitutions, that's a fact. Um, and they are being held. Uh, without their being held pre-trial, that is a fact, and they are not being charged with any crimes yet, also a fact. So that is a uh, direct assault on the freedom of assembly. You cannot assemble in this country uh, if the elite decide to call you a terrorist. You can burn down a building. You can yeah. kill people. You can kill people. You yeah. can attack people can in attack their vehicles. You can yeah. attack them on the street. Yep. But you can you, light police cars on fire. Yeah. You, yeah. You a hundred percent. You can yeah, loot you, businesses. You can do all of those things. But if you interrupt Congress, that's it. Yeah. If you interrupt Congress, they're going to declare you a terrorist and you can just be held in jail indefinitely without any trial, any trial whatsoever. There's people eight months in jail. No trial, nothing, right? That's happening. So freedom of assembly is already gone if the elites decide to call you a domestic terrorist. And by the way, barely anyone from the Republican Party is doing shit about it. Number two. Yeah. Let's talk about the Second Amendment real quick, but I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. For example, this bill that's going through the New York Senate and New York Assembly says... If you pose a public health crisis, well, just so you're aware, the CDC is already declaring gun deaths a public health crisis. So it's not a far leap from them to say that gun ownership is a public health crisis and blammo using public health, which everybody cucked to because they were super scared of the flu. They can take your guns away. 
to the other point, let's talk about, uh, I mean, we've already given up unlawful search and seizure, the Fourth Amendment, because just to fly on a plane, I have to basically get a full body cavity search, even though we're very well aware of the type of people who are going to, you know, blow a plane up. But even the Fifth Amendment is under attack because there's a kangaroo court uh, basically, uh, the the Gulag Archipelago is playing out in Congress with the January 6th committee and smartly anyone who is being subpoenaed for it is pleading the fifth because the entire point of the January 6th committee is to take the political enemies of the Democrat Party and throw them in jail for the sin of being the political enemies of the Democrat Party. And there are... legal analysts on liberal media that are saying, if you use the fifth amendment to protect yourself from a government that is specifically trying to persecute you for your political beliefs, you are obviously guilty. In fact, they've gone as far as saying, if you get a lawyer, it is a sign of guilt. Yeah. A lawyer. I just want you to understand that. Republicans or just conservatives in general who are under assault from a Department of Justice under the Biden regime that get lawyers to protect their rights. The left is convincing a part of of the populace in America that if you have a lawyer it means you must be guilty. You should be able to just go in front of the massive federal government who is trying to oppress you by yourself. Because if you get legal representation, it's a sign of guilt. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing these people wouldn't do to ensure that there is no political opposition. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. It's not debatable. Mm-hmm. Like that that's those are just the facts. It is not debatable anymore. These people are using every excuse that they can to mm-hmm. destroy opposition. Another example, and we'll we'll stick on uh COVID uh because this is this is the new power trip. It is almost Christmas. We are six days away from Christmas. Hooray. The Sixth Circuit Court ruled that Joe Biden's vaccine mandate was unconstitutional, which is 100% true. The federal mm-hmm. government can't tell a company who they can and cannot hire and why. They, they, they just simply cannot do it. That's not how this country works. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because the Fifth Circuit Court ruled against that, which opens the door for Joe Biden's. So just understand this for a second. The A Circuit Court, so a federal court said Joe Biden's vaccine mandate is unconstitutional. The natural progression of that is it then goes up to uh, a higher court. Typically, these things end up in the Supreme Court. Where the Supreme Court would rule 
whether or not they're, it's constitutional. That's their whole job, right? The constitutionality of things. Right. Instead of doing that, this took effort. I need you all to understand that there was effort expended here. The mm-hmm. Department of Justice under the Biden regime got a, another same level court to muddy the water and rule that it was fine for Joe Biden to have a vaccine mandate that forced companies to mandate vaccinations just before Christmas. So just so you are all aware, what that means is the Biden regime went out of their way to get a bunch of people fired just before Christmas specifically because they didn't get vaccinated. Which is wild. Why why is the regime taking these kind of political risks? That does not make any sense to me. If it, it, it shows that they have zero care about their own popularity ratings, which is extremely bizarre for an American political party. If you were if you were a political party worth your salt, you would look at COVID, you'd look at the vaccines and go, okay, seriously though, the risks of COVID are not at all, <laughs> COVID is not bad enough that we're going to risk crippling the US economy and, sent, and getting thousands, if not tens of thousands of Americans fired from their jobs, which we, they will all point back at us for, we're not going to risk a crippling supply chain shortage when half the truckers quit for COVID, for a vaccine that doesn't work, for a disease that hardly kills anybody. That's what's insane to me about this is that the vaccine mandates and the repercussions of forcing them on the population are so ex- disproportionate to the either the benefits of the vaccine or the risk from COVID that it seems like the most insane, it's a nonsensical move by the administration because it seems, it seems suicidal. How do you get like every single person fired for Joe Biden's vaccine mandate will not vote for Joe Biden again. Every family member of a person that gets fired because of the vaccine mandate will not vote for Joe Biden. Why would you do this? If you were a, if you were a political party that needed to get voted into office, that had other votes. How many people that is a family member, a friend, of people that got fired and lost their jobs for a vaccine mandate of a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission, doesn't stop hospitalization, doesn't keep you from dying, doesn't even keep you from getting the virus? How many people connected to the, those people's lives will ever vote Democrat again in local elections, in state elections? Why would you take this kind of political risk? It makes absolutely no sense, especially because COVID hardly kills anybody. It's extremely easily survivable. It's extremely easily treatable. And the vaccine doesn't even protect people. It's wild to me, and it makes no logical sense. Well, so... uh... I would say there's only two conclusions that you can reach. Either number one, 
the the Democrat Party is getting extremely poor advice uh, that is from an echo chamber from political consultants who don't actually know what the real world is like, which is a possibility given that polling data has consistently been absolutely wrong. We've seen political consultants be absolutely batshit in a lot of the statements they make on what they believe to be the priorities of American voters and that Washington, D.C. is so detached from the American populace that it may as well be on a different planet. That's a possibility. Mm. Or the other possibility is they are not concerned about public popularity or voting because voting like legitimate actual people voting, regular people going and casting a ballot is no longer how they win elections. It has to be. Those are the only two potentials. Either they're so detached or the reason why they don't care is because voting isn't how they win elections anymore. Yeah. It almost betrays their hand. The fact that they're doing things that are so politically unpopular betrays that they do not feel the need to convince the population to vote for them, that they feel that they have every election already predetermined because they have manipulated the rules somewhere else to ensure that they do not need normal people to they do not need to convince normal people to vote for them. They can abandon the cares of normal people because they have a unassailable hold on political power, which means that they know that they have subverted voting so much they no longer have to worry about becoming politically unpopular. Well, Colleen brings up an interesting point, which is also it's possible that they don't care about a party power swap because they'll still make their money and backdoor deals. That's also a good point. Now, I will say in a theoretical, if in 2024, let's just say in a theoretical Uh, Ron DeSantis wins by just absolutely destroying Joe Biden in -hmm. the election. The election will 100% be challenged by the Democrats. There will 100% be a recount. There will 100% be an election in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. And with literally no irony. Like, unironically, people will be protesting the Electoral College. Yeah. Yep. Unironically, and unfortunately, the only answers that anyone will ever have is, Oh my God, but back in 2020 when we did it, and they're going to go, Yep. Yeah, you're right. Back in 2020 when you did it, we called you terrorists. Ha 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 ha. It's okay, though, because the Supreme Court's going to rule in our favor. Ha, 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 ha. That's that's how they're going to react, because that's how they always react. You're right. Back in 2020, you guys were pussies and gave up because you were afraid of what we're going to say. 
but we're going to keep going forward because we don't care what you say. Isn't that hilarious, America? Yeah. These people are the enemy and they need to lose. <laughs> I mean, that's... Now, interestingly, speaking of COVID, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be worried about Omicron. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to be. But Alan, isn't it super scary? No. It is, in fact, the most mild variant of COVID that has anyone has ever discovered, and it has killed a grand total. And it's not its not going to kill anybody. It's killed nobody. It's not going to kill anybody. The researcher who discovered it in South Africa is baffled by everyone's insistence that it's great scary because they're going, but it's the most mild variant we've ever found. We should all be excited because this is a good mutation for the virus to take. Uh, if anyone you don't, if for anyone who doesn't know, but things like the, the normal progression of respiratory viruses is that ones that are deadly end up killing off the host so hosts faster than they can essentially reproduce. And so milder variants of respiratory viruses tend to be selected for long term. I mean, we've seen it with the flu. We've seen it. We've seen it with the common cold, like all these things like they become more infectious, but less but more infectious and more benign. The goal of the virus is to infect as much as possible. If it kills people too fast, then it doesn't reproduce as much. It stops being, and then it becomes inert. This is this is great. The COVID should COVID is heading towards being just the common cold, which is exactly what our immune systems and everything and make it end up as anyway. It's like if we did nothing, this is how COVID would progress. Let me ask you an interesting question. Yeah. According, not to you, according to the officials, the science, mm -hmm. as they call it, uh, because Dr. Fauci is the science. If you question him, you question science. Because um, that's that's certainly a healthy outlook. Um, are vaccine side effects any concern or is it a conspiracy theory uh the vaccine is safe and effective and has zero side effects okay right it's a ridiculous conspiracy theory to talk about the side effects of vaccines correct correct the okay. vaccine is safe and effective okay. it has zero side effects there is no problem nothing to worry about with the vaccine it is safe and effective interesting so this comes from Reuters, not exactly a right-wing rag. Yeah. This is the headline. Refugees lack COVID shots because drug makers fear lawsuits, documents show. Tens of millions of migrants may be denied COVID-19 vaccines from a glo global program because some major manufacturers are worried about legal risks from harmful side effects, according to officials and internal documents from Gavi, the, char the charity operating the program reviewed by Reuters. Nearly two years into a pandemic that has already killed more than 5 million people, only about 7% of people in low-income countries have received a dose. Well, we are in a pandemic of the unvaccinated, mm -hmm. and it would appear the third world is the problem. But let's whine about Florida, right? 
Vaccine deliveries worldwide have been delayed by production problems, hoarding by rich countries, export restrictions, and red tape. Many programs have also been hampered by hesitancy among the public. Well, okay. Why would there be hesitancy among the public, Alan? Uh, Because there's side effects and it's not actually safe and effective. Oh, that's interesting because that gets backed up by this Reuters article that says the legal concerns are an additional hurdle for public health officials tackling the coronavirus, even as officials say unvaccinated people offer an ideal environment for it to mutate into new variants that threaten hard-won immunity around the world. Many COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers have required that countries indemnify them for any adverse events suffered by individuals as a result of vaccines, the United Nations says. Where governments are not in control, that is not possible. The concerns affect people such as those displaced by Myanmar, Afghanistan, and Ethiopian crises who are beyond the reach of national governments' vaccination schemes. For refugees, migrants, and asylum seekers, as well as people affected by natural disasters or other events that put them out of reach of government help, the global program known as COVAX, created by a humanitarian buffer, a last resort reserve of shots to be administered by humanitarian groups, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, is a public-private partnership set up in 2000 to to promote vaccination around the world. So they are having problems distributing vaccines to illegal immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, because governments have to give vaccine manufacturers indemnity, meaning no-fault coverage, The inability for someone to sue if they suffer an adverse effect from the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. They, they all got immunity that, that, that was a condition of being part of the vaccine mandate pro like rollout was all these companies said, okay, but if there's a, if anything happens with the vaccine, we're not liable. You can't we need governments to essentially intervene and prevent people from suing our company and holding us accountable if there is a problem with our product. And governments went, that sounds great. Yes, absolutely. I believe Pfizer uh, in instances essentially said not only do we demand that we will have absolute that the government will assure that we will ne- cannot be held accountable for anything that goes wrong with the vaccine. And anything that goes wrong with the vaccine that is our fault and preventable. So if Pfizer, say, produces a batch of vaccine, doesn't store it at the proper temperature, and it goes bad, because of mouth, because of even negligence on the part of the company for distribution of the vaccine, they still cannot be held liable. You cannot sue Pfizer. You can only, I guess, sue the government. I don't even know what your method of redress is if you got a faulty vaccine because Pfizer didn't feel any need to have good quality control there's no way to deal with that and at the same time hey you got it for free so why are you even complaining 
to be honest, this, this is what's weird, right? This makes sense. If I was a drug manufacturer and there was a pandemic and the government's like, oh my God, 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 we need to rush a vaccine out. And you're a drug manufacturer who's like, dude, we have been under these like hugely burdensome regulations by you. Mm-hmm. Um, that says that these things have to go through like years of testing for safety. Uh, uh, we'll roll out your vaccine with no testing and super fast, but I'm not going to be held liable if something goes wrong. You're telling no, actually, me here's how, to- here's how you do that. The, here's the problem. The problem is the drug company still has ownership of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. If you're using public funds to buy the re- to essentially pay for all the research and pay for the deployment, then the government owns the vaccine and g- thus owns all profits generated from it. The, these companies are making in excess uh, around $40 billion every year from a product whose research and development costs were paid for by tax dollars, whose marketing costs are non-existent because governments are just buying it by the bulk in bulk. This is the part that means there's there's no potential that this is all above board. It these companies are making so much money off of this that they don't get to skirt the liability issue. If you wanted to skirt the liability issue, you also have to give up the profit issue. You have to give up the profit in order to not be to not take the liability for some somehow because our governments are highly compromised by lobbyist groups. They are getting to reap all of the benefits, but they have none of the responsibility. And that should never have been allowed and was only allowed because our government officials betrayed us to big pharma lobbyists. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, many, many members of Congress own stock in Pfizer and Merck and Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the Pfizer is the fifth most owned stock by members of Congress on both sides. Yeah. They, they so no wonder. And then you're telling me, oh, and then a situation developed where Pfizer was placed in a position by the government to get billions of dollars of tax money driving up its share price. And then everybody in Congress made a couple million. I'm, I forgive me if I'm skeptical of the vaccines. Forgive me if I'm skeptical of this whole program. Why are you attacking the free market? Are you some sort of commie lib now? (laughs) I mean, we were just told that that's the free market, Alan. How dare you? Right. I will not have such such anti-market communism on this program. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the free market you're talking about, sir. Right? The blessed, untouchable free market allows our congressional elites to have stock in a company that is getting a blank check from the United States government paid for by the taxpayers. How dare you? That's our blessed, untouchable free market you're talking about, sir. Yeah, you should, you should, you should smile <laughs> for such a blessing. Yeah. Um. No, but how fascinating is that? They can't get shots to people uh, because governments are going. 
uh, no, we're not going to, or not, not necessarily even governments, but it's because uh, the vaccine manufacturers are saying we are not going to let anyone get our vaccine unless there's an agreement that we will not be held liable for anything that goes wrong, which I'm told is a conspiracy theory by a bunch of anti-vax right-wingers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a weird situation. Now, you shared a, uh, th- well, y- you shared, but so did like half the internet, uh, shared an interesting uh, discussion that occurred on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I'm certain is going to be under federal investigation, and Joe Rogan's probably going to be arrested for domestic terrorism. Because he had a doctor on his yeah. podcast, which, by the way, for those of you who don't track ratings, is the number one podcast in the world. Um, unless he's been lapped, but I don't believe he has. Um, he had a doctor on there that was explaining a very simple concept. And I'm, I'm just going to break it down without getting into all of the ins and outs of what was discussed. But this was the very simple con, uh, the the very simple concept that was presented by this doctor, which is coronavirus happened. Now people are going to catch it, and there are two different things. Uh, let's explain just a little bit of basic science. You get a vaccine prior to a time that you would potentially be infected. For example, when Alan and I were in the army, and it's a little bit of a different situation because. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Army is a testing pool for the flu vaccine every year. You're required to get the flu vaccine when you're in the Army. What they do is nationally, they distribute different flu vaccines throughout the United States at different military bases. And then the CDC takes stock when the when flu season hits for which uh, troop medical clinics have more people that show up with flu symptoms to decide which is the most effective flu vaccine to distribute to the populace. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, I mean, that's just how it works. Uh, in other words, if you want to put it in more uh, shocking terms, the United States military is a testing bed for vaccines every year. But yeah, the point is, we would get it, if I'm not mistaken, typically in about August. Uh, because that was prior to flu season. That's when you get vaccinated. It's yep. prior to the time that the thing would happen. So, uh, same thing is actually another really great example is you're about to travel to a foreign country. You go and get vaccines against uh, viruses and diseases that are prevalent in said foreign country. In other words, prior to exposure. Makes sense, correct? Uh-huh. Okay, so when you... if If for whatever reason you get infected, there's a very different medical situation that occurs. That's where you have to... Vaccines... Mm -hmm. Yeah, vaccines do not help you in the event of being infected. Right. That's the whole point of the vaccine, is that your body is now able to fight it off. Well, if you don't have the vaccine, that it's been integrated into your system, built up your immune system beforehand, taking the vaccine after you've gotten infected is... Not the best course of action. You need a different regime, regimen to cure, to help you get well. Like the vaccine is a prophylactic, essentially, mm-hmm. is how you think of it. The vaccine 
keeps you from getting the infection in the first place or keeps it from being terrible if you do get it, keeps you from being safe on that end. But if you have it, your body has to fight it off and the vaccine is not going to help your body fight it off if you get it after you've been infected. Or at least it will the the help that it's going to give your body is minimal at that stage. So you need things like drugs, supplements. Like you, this is what you need to fight off an infection that's already occurring. You have the vaccine to avoid the infection in the first place. Okay. So you would end up getting things like, well, you'd get things to treat it. Afterwards, you know, so that's post-infection. Well, this doctor on Joe Rogan was talking about the fact that there are a ton of different uh, treatments for post-infection. Those treatments being medications such as hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and monoclonal antibodies. These are things that yeah. you use to treat post-infection. The vaccine does not help you post-infection. You're, you've right. already got it. It's done. And also, additionally, I'm not sure about monoclonal antibody treatment, but drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, additionally with zithromycin and zinc, those are all things that can be prescribed outpatient. So if you say got COVID and before it develops into a full-blown case where you are hospitalized, you could start taking this drug regimen to reduce the effect of the virus at home so it never gets into a full-blown case where you have to be hospitalized. If you are, say, in the risk category for COVID, you're old and overweight and you have something else, say you're in that risk category. Currently, if you think you are exposed to COVID, you are told to just go home, isolate, and sit. Sit and wait sit and wait and do nothing. And if it becomes a full-blown case of COVID, you then go to the hospital where you are hospitalized and that that's ter- that there's no in-between step. And that's what this doctor was promoting. He said that, he was saying that early on, he kept bringing up, we need something to give to people who are either at risk of infection or have a minor infection that we can give them something that will allow them to treat this at home so they don't have to become a critical case in the hospital. And he said that was met with deafening silence. And that was very strange to him because he thought the most important thing was keeping people from needing to be hospitalized by this. And there was almost no focus, no energy put towards that. It was all put towards how do we protect healthcare workers, masks, uh, masks, antiseptics, hand washing, uh, and and vaccines. He said all of that. And it was the, the idea that you would have treatment options that were outside of get a vaccine way ahead of time were almost, as he put it, seemingly intentionally suppressed in order to drive up demand for the vaccine, to make people feel as though there was no hope unless if you got COVID, so that you would be more encouraged to get the vaccine so you wouldn't get COVID. When the reality is there was a lot of hope if you got COVID, because there's all these treatments like monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, hell, even being put on regimens of drugs and, and vitamins that boost your immune system, all of these things are actual treatments for COVID that keep people from dying. But none of that was 
promoted because it would affect it would be cause what they would call vaccine hesitancy. Why would you go get a vaccine if you can look at it and say, well, I'll just do the thing that Donald Trump did. He got COVID. And he's fine. Give me the thing that you gave him. Why do I need the vaccine? Well, that's exactly it. So the class of drugs being spoken about is uh, they're, they're called antivirals. Now, we're speaking specifically. I know that there's a huge reaction to people when they hear stuff like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Because they go, well, the media says that that's a horse dewormer and the other one's a, a, an anti-malarial. They don't work. Well, the thing is, is they do work and they are they regularly work. prescribed by doctors. Yeah. These not, not don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying regularly prescribed for other things by doctors. I mean that there are a lot of doctors who will have a patient come in. They are like, hey, I'm sick. And they go, yep, you tested positive for COVID. I'm going to now prescribe you ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or monoclonal antibodies. Yep. Why? Because a doctor doesn't want you to die. But the government, the government, (laughs) yes, well, that, that that, that is something we have to consider. Because understand this for a second. The, I, I believe, without going down any sort of rabbit holes or conspiracies, I believe that the government's approach to this was likely the biggest threat when it comes to dealing with coronavirus is people being hesitant to take the vaccine because we told everybody that the vaccine was what was going to save the world. That was the metric of success And we can create a percentage that shows people vaccinated. And then we can say we won because we reached a percentage. There's a metric involved. If people just don't die from COVID, there's no number that we can give that shows how great we are or wonderful we are or how we won. Now, understand this. There are... Plenty of studies that show that these antivirals work in reducing the severity of coronavirus in patients, keeping them out of the hospital and keeping them from dying. The government doesn't care about those things, doesn't want to encourage them, which means that the government's sole focus in the, quote, battle against COVID is not about saving lives. It's yep. about getting people vaccinated. Their Which is focus, really, really weird. That's Why very... do they need people to take this vaccine? Why is that so, so important? What is in this vaccine that they need to be this crazy about it? What is it going to do to people that they need to act this way? Because clearly their concern is not about curing COVID. And if it's not about COVID, then this vaccine is for something else and we don't know what that is. Maybe and hopefully it is just to breed a compliant population that has accepted forced vaccination as a facet of everyday life. And that's enough of a win as far as a control and power thing. At best, that is what this vaccine is. Well, and, and to, to your point, this is the source for those those idiots 
in DC and in the quote disinformation uh, industry. If you want to know why there are conspiracies where people think that there is something in this vaccine that we are not told about, this is why. Because the governments, the world governments, are making it obvious, or at least their mishandling of this makes it appear that death, that, that they are not trying to keep people alive, that they are merely trying to get people injected. This is provable. Yes. It is not about reducing death. It is not about reducing harm. It is about just solely shots in arms. That is why, because it's very obvious to the majority of people, that is why people go, well, just like Alan said, why is that so important? Why would that ever be more important than just people not dying? It's a very good question. Now, I can say, well, there's the two options. Once again, we'll give you the two options. Option number one is that governments are stupid and obsessed with metrics to pat themselves on the back and call themselves heroes. And they are going, well, we said vaccines are the thing, so it's got to be vaccines. Doesn't matter. It has to be shots and arms and it has to be 100% because then we won. Or number two is there's something else there. There's something in it or there's a monetary gain or there's a control vector of if we get them all to agree, there's something nefarious, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. It, It is obvious that there is something nefarious about these vaccines and we are just trying to figure out at this point what the nefarious thing is and how nefarious is it i hope that it is simply a try a way to try and breed compliance into the population and is a money grab for big pharma i really hope that's where the nefarious nature of this vaccine ends i hope it's nothing more than that no, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and that's completely understandable. But if you want to know why people are conspiratorial, it's because their governments have made it very obvious that the reduction of death is not their priority. That's it. It's, yeah. it's that simple. And I don't think that people are crazy for being concerned about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I welcome you to prove me wrong. But you, but to be honest, you can't. You absolutely yeah. cannot prove me wrong on that point. They don't care if people die. They only care about getting shots in arms. And at this point now, it's boosters, which is insane. I don't don't even know how anyone can take this seriously anymore. Every single, I swear to God, it's like every week they're like, oh, well, another booster. And you've got psychopaths. Um, I can't remember the, uh, (laughs) I can't remember the person's name, but she's a uh, uh, host or a contributor on CNN that, 100% 100% put out a tweet, I would get a booster every single week if it meant that I could just live my life normally and go out and do things without worrying about whether I'm going to kill somebody. Uh, these people are you, just so lost. It's ridiculous. It's you can't you can't actually believe that. No. Like, and I don't think they do, and I think it's all dumb virtue signaling because they 
I think that's it. Ugh. I mean, seriously? The road to hell is paved with dumb idiots trying to search for status on social media. <laughs> it's just... <clears throat> I... I um, call me an optimist, but I think the booster thing is what killed COVID for the majority of people. Because, I mean, you sure. even have people on the left that were all about beating the drum for coronavirus garbage and, and vaccines that are now going like, uh, okay, no, you're not going to get to do three boosters CEO of Pfizer. Yeah, that's a, the, I was I was with you for a while, but that's too much. Yeah, I'm 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 seeing this as obvious. Uh, now to uh, tie a bow yeah. onto what I was talking about with our theme of the show being the left's creepy um, business when it comes to children. Uh, there was a massive reaction to a school board meeting because who doesn't love school board meetings? Um, this occurred in California. I'm going to play a clip of a mother's speech. Um, in California about uh, what they found out regarding their 12-year-old daughter. Here's the audio. Let these teachers come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. Or not. Nah. Give me one second. I'm sorry, everyone. Come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. A mistake... How, How long, long of a, of a mistake? mistake? How, How many, many mistakes, mistakes are we going to take before my child, child almost lost, lost her life? life? They didn't tell me that my child was suicidal. You allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching predatorial information to a young child, a mindful child that doesn't even know how to comprehend it all. How do you not know what was going on on your own campuses? Did you think that no parent would ever come forward? You will not quiet me today. I will stand here today and protect my child along with every other child who has not come forward yet. Do you, do you, do they have psychiatry degrees that I was unaware of? Because I didn't hire them. Okay, I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain. You took away my ability to parent my child. Even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. You planted seeds, Ms. Caldera, and Ms. Brock, Mr. Brock, and you, Ms. Pagarin. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine. Now, this is a reaction from a parent because... The long story short here is two teachers at a California school coached a 12-year-old into a trans identity behind her parents' back. The school also changed her name and pronouns without informing the parents. And that was the mother's reaction that you just got. The school reportedly called the parents in for a meeting where they informed them that their daughter is transgender. The teacher then proceeded to call CPS when they didn't use the correct correct name and pronouns. Now, uh, that's incredibly evil. 
it goes on and it says the teachers coaxed her to join an equality club, which is really a disguise for a GSA club. These teachers were recorded at an event in November bragging about how they disguised the name of the LGBT club so they can indoctrinate kids without any obstacles. This, uh, there's an article quoted here that says parents outraged over school staff who, who allegedly disguised the names of gay straight alliance clubs at a California middle school are planning to voice their concerns at a school board meeting uh, this week in Salinas. Jessica Conan has alleged has alleged that school staff indoctrinated her 12 year old daughter in an LGBTQ club disguised as an equality club. She told the Epic Times she plans to speak at the December 15th meeting at Spreckles Union School District during public comments. Two two teachers at Buena Vista Middle School in Salinas were recorded coaching other teachers to conceal the nature of LGBTQ clubs from parents at a sold-out California Teachers Association conference held in Palm Springs, California from October 29th to October 31st. The CTA event was billed as the 2021 LGBTQ plus issues conference beyond the binary identity and imagining uh, possibilities. The teachers led a workshop called how we run a GSA in conservative communities and described the obstacles that they face as activist teachers to conceal the activities of GSA clubs from parents. Another article says leaked audio reveals how California teachers recruit kids into LGBTQ clubs. A leaked audio recording reveals two teachers at a recent California teachers association conference, mocking parents over their concerns about homosexual and transgender indoctrination at school says a source who attended the event in Palm Springs, California, the recording obtained by the Epic times Captures two seventh grade teachers employed by Buena Vista Middle School in Salinas, California, telling other teachers how to recruit students into LGBTQ clubs, also known as gay straight alliance clubs at schools. The other teacher backed up the first teacher, suggesting activist teachers disguise the nature of GSA clubs by calling them something less obvious. She provided an example of this deception, pointing out that she avoided naming her LGBTQ club a GSA. Instead, she called it the Equity Club and later changed the name to UBU Club. This I mean, is so evil and vile. Yeah. Uh, and did you catch the part in there where they talked about how to do this in conservative communities? It's interesting. These you... teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these teachers probably approach this with a fair amount of glee and horrifying excitement to look at and probably think, I can corrupt the children of my hated political enemies. I can corrupt conservative children into being confused about their gender, and that would really stick it to these conservatard parents. Oh, I'm I guarantee get these you that is bigots. what is going through the black little hearts of these teachers when they do this to kids. I'm going to get these bigots. I'm going to make their kid yeah. gay. <laughs> yeah. I think they yeah. def- I think that is exactly what they are thinking and that is a, like a, a terrifying thing to think that te- that people in this country in a position of power over children feel that way, but honestly, would it does it surprise you? Doesn't surprise me. That's how vile these people are and they have no qualms about 
destroying the mental health and lives of children if it means feeling like they are able to get revenge against conservatives, against the people yeah. the news told them were their enemy. It is, <clears throat> it is not shocking. What's what's fascinating, right? So this is uh, this takes place in Salinas, uh, which is <clears throat> a small town uh, located in the Monterey Bay of California. I'm very familiar because it is also the location of the Defense Language Institute. Um, so these aren't conservatives, then. They can be a large but amount they could of that. Be, but but mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of those weird things where. The teachers are doing it, and it's like the parents of these kids might even have voted Democrat their whole lives, but because they look like white, upper, white, wealthy people, the the teachers probably just project. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sexually confusing and destroying the mental health of this white child. It's yeah, I'm I'm really sticking it to those Trump tards. It's entirely I possible. You, that's what yeah. they see. I mean, a lot of Monterey is probably liberal because it's California and it's coastal California. Yeah. It's it's right. It's just a couple hours away from San Francisco. But also, just for a weird note from my own you know experience, I lived out there. Mm-hmm. There's a considerable amount of military personnel whose children are probably attending these schools. Yep. Which might be part of it, too. I mean, just to your point... Um, a lot of what goes on in that area, I mean, there's a considerable amount of tourism because you have Carmel and areas like that in the area. It's a very pretty area, but also a large portion of what goes on um, in in that location, in that part of California, is military personnel. So I could 100% see people looking at their community and seeing how dominated it is by the existence of um, the military posting, especially a, a training and doctrine school like the Defense Language Institute, you would look at it as saying all these Trump tards. Yeah, because there are a considerable amount of conservative people. I know I went to I actually attended some meetings of the uh, um, Tea Party. That the yeah. California Tea Party that met out there now. I, right. With that I being think you're said, missing the point is mm-hmm. that the point is that it's not that they're actually doing it to conservative parents. It's right, that right. the fact that these teachers are living on the power trip of corrupting children. Yes. And they're doing so based on I get to feel like I'm attacking my political enemies, even when that is not even nece- necessarily reality. That shows you how craven and horrifying the mindset these people have been propagandized into actually is. And, and under, understand this. So the the story here, we're talking about a 12-year-old child. This kid doesn't know There shouldn't anything. even be gay sexual identity clubs in high schools. The very idea of that should have been opposed by parents years ago. Yeah, I, I'm not... Schools are not where children should be figuring out their section. I, I'm, I'm, I, I thought that we uh, don't want sexual things occurring in schools. There's a lot of rules that make it um, so sexual encounters don't occur in schools. Yet here we are where schools are taking it upon themselves to explicitly teach children about sex. 
Yeah, with the goal of making them confused and destroying their life because that is a way to get revenge on their political enemies. Well, and what people need to understand is because of liberalism and modern media and this odd propensity to indoctrinate children, which I agree with Alan is 100% just a we're going to get the kids to do it and then the parents can't fight it as easily. Uh, because we're just we're just gonna go for their kids. Um, yeah, they're they're on a power trip. I'm I'm going like to I tell as a, you. I as a teacher can do this, and then when the kids like, well, I guess I use different pronouns. The teacher can then go, okay, and if your parents refuse anything else, you need to let me know because that's domestic abuse, and I can then call CPS and get you taken away from your parents. Oh, and they love look that. at how much power I have. Oh, they they'll pat they themselves so much... on the back. They're, they'll they'll be practically yeah. orgasmic watching parents ripped away from their child. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost a finish. Yeah. Yeah. But understand something. So, uh, you know, I have two kids and, um, I will tell you right now, this shit is a fad. So just, uh, just under, un- understand how this works. This is a fad. All of these kids are told that, well, okay. Two children Being transgender is nothing. It takes literally nothing. It is the most popular thing right now because everybody talks about it. It's just, oh, it is, it is the, it is the thing right now. It's how your counterculture, it's how you're a rebel against society right now is, is that you're transgender and it takes nothing to commit to that as a kid you just go oh yeah i've got alternate pronouns and i have this list of 73 just bullshit words that mean nothing i'm pansexual and what does that mean to a 12 year old kid fucking nothing in their lives it means literally nothing they just go well i don't know i'm just whatever guys love is love am i right super easy but then you have the adults who start indoctrinating these kids going, oh, well, if you identify as pangender, then we're going to start talking about you in this different way. Oh, and we're going to start telling you that this is who you are. They start building an identity around this for these kids. When they don't really know what's going on, they just kind of think it's like a cutesy thing to do. And it gets them some attention and it gets them called heroes. And then the next thing that you know, this kid is being pushed into a culture and an identity and being told a way that they have to live by the time that they would be mature enough to realize what's happening. They've already agreed, basically, to a list of conditions and a perception. Yes. That's why they're doing this. That's why they're doing this to kids that are this young. Because to the kids, it's nothing serious. Yeah. It's like the goal is to corrupt children. Yeah. 100%. The goal is to corrupt children. And and to do it, explicitly do it behind their parents' back. There's no way, because that's the whole thing. Like, what else are children taught when it comes to the gay community? And it's probably taught in these silly equity clubs. It's 100%. Well, don't tell your parents. They'll disown you because they're probably bigots. Yeah. This is, to me, 
it, th these are the exact same tactics that pedophilic groomers use on children. Don't tell your parents. They'll be upset. It'll be our little secret. Right. And I'm glad that it's coming out. But understand this. The parents found out about it. They were obviously outraged. And what did the teachers do? They contacted Child Protective Services. <laughs> Think about that. They took a 12-year-old child. They, the teachers, told them who they were, told them what their life was. These are people in a position of authority. We teach our children to listen to their teachers. We teach our children not to defy their teachers. We teach our children to be respectful of these people. And mm -hmm. what did they do with that confidence? What did they do with what we gave them? They said, well, this is who you are now. And don't tell mom and dad. And then when mom and dad found out and said no, they said, well, we're going to call the cops on you now. Yeah. People need to go to jail. This is. Uh... Huh? No, no, yeah, no, jail. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> we are going to work need with... There needs to be serious ramifications. You're absolutely I, I, correct. We all know. <laughs> we all know how any parent would love to deal with this. Jail. Straight to jail. We're going to say jail, jail for right now. Lawfully via the U.S. Uh, legal system lawfully put in jail to to your point to your point i'm going to acknowledge it because let's just be real people right now and not so worried um about how liberals are going to try to attack us for not wanting them to groom molest and indoctrinate our children into fetishes um the justice system needs to have an answer to this because if it does not there's nothing I'm unwilling to do to protect my children from gross, craven, disgusting people who are, for all intent and purposes, trying to molest them. Mm. Trying to mm -hmm. sexualize them, trying to objectify them, and trying to uh, work them into a fetish. Yeah, super weird. It's gross. 12 years old. It I don't is. need to say anything more. 12 years nope. old. Yep. You don't yeah. You don't get to talk about sex with my 12-year-old even if it's heterosexual. Yeah. In fact, actually, you know what? That that brings up a good point. If a teacher was sitting with your 12-year-old child and talking about sex between men and women, they yeah. would be arrested for grooming them in a for pedophilia. So yeah. why is it different when you use the word equity? Yep. I mean, you might as well be a producer at CNN. <laughs> yeah, right? <clears throat> no, it's just, yeah, it, it, that's, that's a point that I just, for whatever reason, because of everything going on, I never really thought about. If there was a teacher... That was sitting down and talking to kids and being like, oh, well, let me tell you what happens between men and women. Um, 
you know, like, like, let's start a club where I talk to you guys about like what it means to be heterosexual, you know, uh, a man and a woman yeah. do. And I'm not talking about sex ed, but I kind of am, I guess. But like if they if, if a teacher was just sitting down with kids and talking to them about sexuality in general, even if it was heterosexual, it would be considered gross pedophile pedophilic. And they would 100 percent investigate it because they'd think that that child was being groomed. Yeah. But it's suddenly okay. What the heck is wrong? What? How are teachers being trained? How are teachers being taught that this is acceptable? And how is the school administrations allowing this? It's like they all have to be in on this sort of scammery. They all have to be they all have to be protecting each other and allowing this to happen. Now, I don't. It exposes very deep rot in just education in the general in this in the country. Because the teachers were were molded into being this horrifying by some educational system that trained them to be teachers. The entire school administration goes along with it. How did all of these people get so corrupted that they would be willing participants in this kind of horror? Well, how did they get corrupted? What did they call the club, Alan? <laughs> they called it the Equity Club. Oh, Equity. That's good. It's the whole diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory, critical theory in general. That's I was told that point. wasn't happening. <laughs> right. Um, well, but interestingly, I don't know anything about these two teachers, but think about this for a second. Since they're the ones running the LGBTQ club, is it probably um, is it probably likely that these are like gay teachers yeah so you have gay teachers that were females if i remember correctly they were two women that were talked about by this mom maybe i'm mistaken but i thought it was two women so you have two women who are sexually attracted to women that are attempting to convince a female 12 year old student that she is also gay yeah or transgender which means i don't know you identify as a boy and therefore you like girls. How is this not grooming? <laughs> it is. If a gay teacher was convincing a gay 12 year old boy that or sorry, if a gay teacher was convincing a 12 year old boy that he was gay, I would assume that he was going to molest him. No, yeah, no, you're right. It is. It is grooming. All of this is crazy. All of this is none of this should be allowed. And all of it is absolutely beyond the pale. There's no debate on this. Anyone that would be trying to debate whether this is okay behavior is in fact their own little evil corrupted demon. Nobody sane should allow this, should promote this, and every single person with any shred of moral fiber should resist this thing and declare it evil. This is confusing children about their sexuality when they are most vulnerable in a way that will have long-term lasting negative psychological repercussions for their, possibly for their entire life. God forbid they even decide to act on what this training is and destroy their bodies with surgery, destroy their endocrine system with a bunch of hormone injections that, and both of those things will cripple them for life. This sort of thing is teachers putting children in a pipeline that only ends with sterility and death. It is these teachers are basically worshiping death by corrupting children out of 
productive, fruitful lives and into a way of being that only ends in sterility and death and madness. The vast majority of transgender people commit suicide because when they realize what they've done to themselves, it's too horrifying to live with. Well, no, th there is no reason why you should be discussing these things with kids. It is beyond the pale and it only promotes having these children destroy their lives and die. The well, and the, and, and the, the, the final fact on that um according like what you heard with the mother talking about was the big problem that she ran into was that her child was suicidal. And I would say it's highly likely that that child was suicidal because two adults put a young child in a position that was in direct combat with her home life and told her that her family was going to hate her and then was stuck basically between two situations where either she has to listen to the teachers or listen to the parents and was also told that she was going to be oppressed her entire life because of who she was, even though that wasn't who she was because she's not in a position to make that decision. These yeah. teachers confused this child to the point where she was psychotically depressed. Yeah. And that was the intended goal of these teachers. Yep. That is the outcome of these things every time they know it and they still do it because that is what they want. Yep. Well, that's going to be the final thought for the show today. Be sure to go check us out at subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio where you guys can sponsor the program for $2.99 a month. You can also check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, and join our Discord server. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next Sunday at noon. Ooh.